podcast with Steve Mathis. Hey everybody, I know you've just finished listening to a whole bunch of uh, intro crap, but I just wanted to uh, put one more thing in there before we get to the show, and thank you everybody for listening. Hey, look, we all buy stuff from Amazon. I buy stuff, you buy stuff. We all buy stuff from Amazon, let's face it. So why don't you, the next time you're buying something from Amazon, go to pulpamex.com, find the Amazon banner there on the bottom right-hand side, click to that, it'll take you to Amazon, and then you can place your order for whatever it is, either lube, a baseball glove, or a car, whatever it is. Then that way, Pulpamex gets a little piece of that, and uh, we can keep on doing what we're doing. And I appreciate it. And so check it out on the link, and see you guys later. Welcome to a special edition Pulp MX podcast. I've been busy. Santa's been busy in his podcast-making factory, and he decided to uh, to do another one this week. And, and, and what a better – there's no better guy to call than uh, the bounty hunter, Boba Fett, David Iser. Iser, what's up? Not much, my man. Just getting ready here for the uh, for Game Seven of the Stanley Cup, and I know that the motocross people give us give us grief for liking hockey, but right. dude, if you can't, if your if your hair doesn't sample on the back of your neck with Game Seven of the Stanley Cup, then I, you just don't get me. I, I hear you. I hear you. It's tonight as we're doing this. So by the time you hear this, it might have just been over, or it might be just happening. The we'll Bruins see. will be hoisting the cup at ooh, that point. Ooh. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. Um, of course, Iser, you know from DMXS Radio. Um, I've had him on a, on a personal podcast. Um, let's let's get right into hockey right away and to, and get a lot of people pissed off. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Been a weird series. Every home team has won, and Boston has destroyed Vancouver in Boston. Uh, and yet somehow the Vancouver team is just a different team at home. They were the best team in the regular season uh, by far, but yeah. uh, it just seems to be a weird series, man. I have no idea what's going on. And fortunately for them, they they played for the record. They've got that last game at home, just where you want for for, for game seven. But yeah. that's the disparity I haven't understood. Is that it's just like when the floodgates open. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a five hole, a six hole, a seven. There's a nine <laughs> hole for the for the Vancouver goalie, wow. and they are scoring at will. Uh, you know, uh, in, in 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 Bruin territory. Yeah. Well, you, you may not know this fact, but unless Vancouver wins tonight by eleven goals, which they're not going to. This will be the first and okay. Let's say Vancouver wins. If Vancouver wins and they outscore Bruins by eleven, and they don't outscore the Bruins by eleven goals, it will be the first time in Stanley Cup Final history. So we're talking nineteen twelve. Epic, right? That the winning Cup team has not outscored the loser. So wow, and not by a little. That's a lot. Uh, yeah, not in, yeah eleven goal <laughs> differential right now. So. I actually, I, I actually had to read the, the news to see if the uh, if Vancouver pulled their goalie for the whole third period. <laughs> well, yeah. I saw that final score. That's that was pretty epic. But yeah, my my history goes back as I mentioned before. You know, growing up in, in New Jersey right. and uh, being a, a Rangers fan uh, my whole life, going to to the, the Madison Square Garden watching hockey, dude. It's just a, for for me that was that was as good as going to U two concerts and yeah. everything else in the city. Going going into the city to Madison Square Garden. Atlantic Division, the rivalries, Pittsburgh and, and Islanders and, and um, you know the Rangers and the, and, and the Devils. I mean, Pot Ben sucks. Did you, great. Were you chanting Pot Ben sucks? I have. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's funny? I went to one game at Madison Square Garden, and I, and I just I treasure it. I'm glad I went yeah. to a game in Madison Square Garden. It's just it's something else, you know. Um, 
of course, the Leafs lost five to one, which you know wasn't very good. But and I, and I wasn't going to bring up that you came to Atlanta and, the, and our shitty Thrashers did beat you. Oh, oh, they had a two nothing lead and the Thrashers <laughs> came on and yeah, it was not good. But I was lucky though. The uh, day after the Supercross, how lucky could that get? The Leafs in Atlanta. Um, uh, yeah, no, you're you're not from Georgia. Everybody probably know that right away. Yeah, but, but I traveled quite a bit, so I'm, I'm kind of diverse. That's why I don't have a, a southern accent like uh, my counterpart, Kevin Kelly, his, uh, his yeah. redneck twang. Is, now, is Kevin Kelly, are you going to be fired from DMXS for, for coming on, uh, doing something with me? Is, are, are we no, good? no, are we okay? he's, he's, he's mellowed. He's, uh, Kevin's, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's a fireman now, so he's, I think he's, he has more priorities of, you know, saving kittens and, and, yeah. uh, and, and a bigger, huh. bigger goal in life. So, you know, hating you, I think, is, is lower on his priority list. Pingree and uh, Kevin Kelly, who knew? Yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, no, and I, and I just I say that jokingly. It's just people always put us against each other because the shows and stuff. But it couldn't be further further from the truth. Um, if they knew if they knew how much we talked off the record and behind the scenes and all yeah. that stuff, they, they'd be like, oh, uh, that's disappointing. They don't hate each other. <laughs> well, uh, let me ask you this: Is uh, before I want to take it back to hockey here, but is Kelly yeah. going to be able to stay on the show? I mean, you're going to be able to keep going. I don't, you know, firemen's schedules are definitely out there. Yeah, we uh, like tonight. We're off. Uh, Brian, our producer, who's basically you know the the love of my life and the backbone to the show, he's on vacation uh, this week, and Kevin is working. But he does that uh, works two days, three days off. So every, he's three Wednesdays a month. He's he's uh, he's available. So we we're just going to do uh, do three a month. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll, you know, throughout the summer we'll be, we'll be fine. But we'll uh, we'll keep plowing through. Yeah, you're not no plans to take it off the Wednesday night though, right? Like you're not. No, going, no, yeah. no. That's 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 been our. I, w- I wouldn't know uh, what what else to do on Wednesday nights besides getting getting pizzas and the guys together and and sitting here and and uh, and, and you know bench racing, having fun and then recording right. it. Um, getting back to hockey though, I would be worried about tonight's game. Except the Bruins blasted Luongo in Game Four, yeah. and he comes back to Vancouver and shuts him out. Right. So, you know, I do think the Canucks are going to win tonight, uh, but. It's 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 been a weird series. I just I mean we'll get the motor cross, but here's all I all I want to be honest with you. Either one of those teams is not one I've ever pulled for my favorite. I just want to come down to the last five minutes of the third period. Right, right. I don't want a four four goal lead going into the third period. I want I want it to come down to one goal where it any it, with it, with 17 seconds left right. on a power play where they can tie it up and go into overtime. That's what I want tonight. I was uh, I was actually getting people unfollowing me on Twitter. During the uh, during the first <laughs> round of the playoffs, because I was so into it, because playoff hockey is just just phenomenal and just yeah. great, and and people were like, "That's it, Mathis. I'm unfollowing you," because uh, you keep talking about hockey, but I couldn't help myself. It was just so awesome. So, gosh, um, it, it, people try to convince me to, to like soccer, and that the, I, I want to punch them in the side <laughs> of the neck too. So I, I don't get that. So I can kind of understand if people if if, if all you talk about was soccer, then right. you know I, I, I might have to unfollow well, you too. Uh, hockey and Tim Ferry seem to be a, a big you know re- reoccurring theme. In my Twitter account, um, and also too, uh, thank you, uh, David Iser. Thank you very much for the Atlanta Thrashers. Uh, as a native Winnipegian, um, Winnipegian, Winnipegger, Winnipegger, yes. um, the Thrashers have relocated back to where they belong in Canada. And, uh, and thank you, thank you for and, not going to any games. And I can tell you this: I'm glad they went. Atlanta was a very weak supporting city for a hockey team. I went to many Thrashers games. Their uh, majority of them. Where it was just a date night, they weren't hockey fans. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you go to Madison Square Garden for a freaking Ranger Flyer game, okay, that's hockey. You, you know, you go down to Atlanta and it's it's you know people in, in sweater vests and shit like okay, yeah. you know, 
yeah. guys, you, got, you guys don't get it. But I, I was glad to see a hockey team go to a city that, that's going to appreciate them and grow it. Uh, this, this was a disaster from the get-go. And, um, you know, not me not being from Atlanta originally, I'm not a Falcons fan, a Braves fan, or any of that stuff. So right. I, I was not uh, beholden to, you know, to the Thrashers in any way. So I'm glad they're going somewhere where they'll be loved and supported. Well, the, uh, the Save the Thrashers rally got a good 150, 200 yeah. people. Yeah. That's why I, I love all the local news. And, and uh, they, they would come down there, and you could do just one camera shot. They didn't even have to have, a, like, a wide <laughs> angle to catch everybody with their posters. Yeah, I'm like, no. here's, here's why. There's 100 people here in front of the – Phillips Arena, yeah. you know, please stay thrashers. I'm like, guys, now you know why the, it's a business decision. You, you know, the city has not sold out the season tickets in, in forever. And uh, so it's yeah, and yeah, I, good, good riddance. And I don't know how much you followed it in Winnipeg, but they, they have a 15,000-seat arena, which is small, and they sold – they wanted 13,000 season tickets. They sold out in 20 minutes. Yeah, I, they, yeah. they reported that here in Atlanta, and yeah. even our sportscaster said – now you know why they left. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so, so let's uh, let's all hope that works out there. And and uh, yeah, so you, you know, right. you're gonna miss the thrashers. But let's get into motocross. People are probably already tuning out. Um, how well? How's the show going? First of all, you've been you've been having a good season. Happy yeah, we're, with it? Yeah, we're we're uh, we're doing good. I mean, I love uh, to be honest with you. Like I said uh, on the show, that Supercross is like all the one night stands you've ever had. <laughs> they're fun. They're exciting but you wake up the next morning and hope you didn't catch anything. But motocross is like the woman you marry. That's, right. that's, it feels like home. And to me, when motocross comes around, it's a different vibe, and, and, uh, and I get a, a different excitement for it. And um, So I'm, I'm, I'm ready for motocross. I get into the old, uh, by the end of Supercross, middle to end, I'm like, oh, I just want this thing to be over, even yeah. though this year was epic. Yeah. Um, and then by the end of the Nationals, I'm like, oh, I'm ready for this thing to be over. You know, um, it's it's a it's a long series, both of them. And I travel to all of them. Uh, you go to you go to a lot of them, but not all of yeah. them. Um, but you're right. It, you know, it's also cool just seeing the dudes wide open, fourth gear, hanging off the back. You know, um, going blitzing by you. That's pretty sweet. Right. Yeah. And, and for and for the several seasons, we we've had all these dominant riders that that have basically made uh, you know the seasons uninteresting. In the last couple of years, that 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 has switched. And as a fan. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a Reedy super fan. I'm almost like yeah. a nerdy super fan, Reedy super fan this year. I actually changed my vacation at, when he was debuted his team at Anaheim to to go to Anaheim. To, to watch I didn't know that about you. I, I, admi- I just have admired him because I'm an RC guy, dude. I'm I'm the Southern oh, you know, Carmichael, yeah. but I've always admired Reedy because I remember in the 2006 Las Vegas, of course, that epic race in, in Vegas, and I sat in that press conference and I, I saw Reedy stare a hole in the concrete. A laser beam, just being—I mean, that, he is just one of the most competitive people I've ever, yeah. I've ever seen in my life. And I just knew if he was going to do this, you know, he was going to do it right. And and I even, you know, talked to you about that before the show. I said he's going to win a race before the season's out. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, nobody could have predicted how how good he was going to do this year or how the yeah. points were going to come out. But but seeing how he's doing in motocross this year, seeing RV, um, you know, struggle a little bit and, and come back, and, and Dungey being fast, and the bike problems, and I mean, it, it just. This is going to be just as close. I mean, we're going to come down to you know the pallet with the with the championship on the line. I believe. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And and, and it was funny. I've talked about this before. When he got a podium at the at Oakland, it was like, ah, oh, that's good to see him. You know, get a podium on his right. Own. Good for him. Good for you know for his way out or whatever. No one wants to see the old champion go out. Um, you know, Emmett Smith style playing for the Phoenix uh, Cardinals. Right. 
but uh, uh, you know what? Yeah, uh, screw that. He was uh, he was a factor. He got better and better and better. Got more and more support from Honda. And I think the best compliment you can pay him is he's a racer. He's a racer. He figures it out. Rowing through. Yeah. If he needs to, if he needs to step it up, and that's why I was really shocked at that St. Louis race. I don't know if you remember. There was a triple triple in a rhythm section. And Reed was going double, double, double. Everybody was. And there was like three or four guys going triple, triple. And, and right in front of Reed, RV busted it out. And he didn't do it. And he was so pissed at himself. But to me, uh. that's like, to me, I can't believe Reed didn't do that. That's how big of a shock it is. Because he just figures that out. He's like, oh, triple, triple? I got, right. I'll do it, you know. But, uh, yeah, whatever. Um, it was a great year for him. And the first two nationals, you can't tell me anybody thought that. It's, he was still counted out. In a way, yeah, the underdog forever, and that's the whole thing with the youth and RV, you know, winning the, the title there at the end and having that momentum. And he was like, and then of course last year he won, uh, you know, hang, and then of course the season fell apart with Kawasaki and things didn't go right. well and all that stuff. But this, I mean, I guess for me, it's not, it's never underestimating him. And like the Coster said on our show last week, he was. Reed will, you know, he takes advantage of every opportunity. I mean, that's 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 what he does. Yeah, every single yep. time he he has one, he he takes it, and he's smart enough and mature enough not to bust his ass and be on the ground all the time. And that's that's how you you win championships is, is that is that consistency. Listen, Iser, I know you have an RC statue, probably a gnome, one of those gnome statues <laughs> in your yard. It's about the same size. Yeah, I, I can't, but you can't you can't tell me that you were a Reed fan. When those two were going at it, no, that's what I'm saying. I admired Reed yeah. just because of his competitiveness. And did it you wasn't even admire after. him though? Did you even admire him though? Oh, Come I did. On. I mean, I, okay. I, I could. I mean, I, I can sit. I can sit back and admire a talented person that I don't pull for. But, but, but um, as a right. like when I would interview Reed to be to be completely frank with you, I've, I've uh, please he was be on frank. A show, um, the second year was out, so it was about eight years ago I first started interviewing him. And the first couple were really good because he was doing well and he was coming over and dominating all right. that. And those, and those rough years at Yamaha, and all, I mean, he was not a good interview. He right. was, he was yeah. pompous. He, he, he seemed, you know, like, uh, it, you know, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't down with doing a lot of stuff. So it wasn't fun for me to interview him. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I was at Yamaha. I know. Um, yes. <laughs> him and I used to fight. We used to not like each other um, because he kind of turned into – a bit of a dick. And I've told him yeah. that. We've laughed about it. You know, I just think it was a case of this kid coming over yeah. and getting way too much way too soon. And he kind of lost himself, him and Ellie, I think. Yeah. They lost their way a little bit. And and now, you know, it took him two couple years of figuring it out, and now he's back and, and, and couldn't be a better media guy. And, and, yeah. and he's showing the Ryan Dungeys, the James Stewarts, how to do it. Because Please. right now, like I wrote in my column – yeah. Reed could come out and say, "Hey, I got a pet dinosaur, and in my backyard, and I, you know, and I and I feed him uh, humans, and we'd be, yeah. and all of us would be like, wow, cool, right on, because he's just, he's so good, he's earned that right for people to kind of believe whatever he says." Yeah. He's great. I'm, I'm begging. Yeah. I'm begging every rider to, to please. I'm, you know, I'm hoping Stewart and RC uh, kind of had the same thing too. He kind of had that that uh, built the wall around whatever, and he was one of the first ones in his latter years at Suzuki to, to utilize the media as a tool, as, yeah. a, as, a, as a tool to promote what he wanted. To I mean, he realized that. Get his message and, out. You know, I mean, I remember, yeah. I remember um, you know, this was Honda days, but, you know, Reed was kicking his butt at the end of 2003, and Reed was beating him straight up. Right. But the media, Scott Taylor, Ricky himself, were telling the media that he's riding for the title. And that's what was written, and that's what was printed. 
And trust me, I was down on the track. That guy, yeah. that guy was not riding for the title. He was giving it 110% as sure. always. But he was able to turn that message out there. And that's valuable. It's a great tool. And even the fuel controversy, things like that. Right. Like in the, I was one, in that yeah. press conference when he says, well, I might, just, I might, might not ride anymore. Yeah. And yeah. Get, I mean, get it, but, but my point is this, is that it's just like in politics or anything else. The media is, is a necessary evil for both parts. Be naive to think that the media is only good for informing people. The, the, the people that you're interviewing also use that as a conduit to get their message out and, and to spend what they want to spend. And what what he does is is, is is not only talk about what people want to talk about. His message is true. It's believable. Yeah, fans, yeah. fans, you know, they 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 run that like a bug zapper. <laughs> and then when, you, when then when you get Baggett on the freaking podium, like a bug zapper, you, you want to you want to knock him off the podium and be like, dude, you know, you, you just you are the you are a freaking animal on the on the outdoor track. Don't right. read your fender. Yeah. Please tell us what you were thinking when you almost well, ran up Rattray's asshole and crap. <laughs> I mean, tell us tell us something literally about that super awesome race that you were just in. Well, I mean, please be excited. Baggett gets a bit of a pass because he's a kid. He's just experiencing the yep. uh, the media attention and the spotlight. He gets a bit of a pass. Stewart and Dungey, I like both of the guys. Um, they don't get a pass in my mind, the big yeah. 450 guys. I think they need yeah. to be better, and I'm not – and I guess people would sit back and be like, oh, Mathis is just pissed and has his panties in a knot because they won't talk to him. No, no, they don't talk to anybody. Yeah. Uh, it's not just me. Um, yeah. You know, well, yeah, or Purcell. I've been, I've been trying to get get a hold of Purcell. I've been trying to get a hold of Sorry, I've been trying to get a hold of Purcell for like yeah. three days, four days. Well, his agent flat out told me about four or five years ago that he would never be on DMXS because he does not get our humor and he feels that he will be made fun of. So, yeah. Um, which at this point, I swear to God, totally true. <laughs> totally true. If he ever comes on, he better have a freaking fast translator because he. I'm I'm grilling him. Yeah. No. I'm it, grilling it, him. I don't think you'll have that chance to be honest. But no, uh, I, I never never will. And, and not. The, but going back to Dungey. Yeah. I look at Dungey. I look at his parents. I know them a little bit behind the scenes. I, I know that he's a good kid, a good family, all that stuff. I, I think that he really is. He he learned his lesson in those outdoors with with Jason Lawrence. Mm-hmm. When he spoke his tongue, when he got mad in those press conferences, when he when he did get and guess what happened? He let Jason Lawrence get under his skin. He lost titles because of of his emotion, and he flipped the switch. He no more when he's pushing that bike off that off the track. Um, I mean that that was he's consistent. See, he's he's consistent with his emotions. He is he he's even keel. And that's you know, that, that's what he's doing right now. He's he's a product of his of his sponsors. He's a very good spokesperson. He's got Nike. He's got Target. He's he's a, a next level of of, a, of the corporate ladder to, to most riders. And I think he he does what he has to do mm-hmm. to, well, to survive. But he's not endearing to the fans for his interviews. And it never has been. So if you're if you're a sponsor, if you're the team, if you're his parents, and I know I've talked to his mom a little bit. I think it yep. does bug her a bit. Do you? Do you point to him and go, hey, look, he's everything you want? Or do you point to him and go, man, well, you need to step it up like the 22? You know, I mean, of course, everybody's personality is everybody's personality. You right. don't want them to lie or be somebody that they're not. But you got to think there's more to Dungy than what he puts out there, a lot more. Yeah, I think that's what I'm saying. On the 125s, um, we saw that, or the lights class, yeah, but, we saw that, that yeah. he does have that beneath his skin. And I just watched that 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 Macaro Borg uh, Fire Night documentary on, on HBO, and, right. and and Borg is like, you know, he was a he was a machine. 
during his, he was a different when he was a kid. He he was the racket thrower. He was the one. He was the McEnroe before he right. turned into into the Borg. And I'm just saying that the Dungey kind of got bit early by by allowing that emotion to kind of rule him. And I think he he keeps it in check. But here's the thing: is he what he does for our sport? Um, you know, the championships, how he how he presents the sport, how he how he represents us is you can't complain about that. No, no. So, you know, well, Stewart, well, on the other hand, that that to me is a completely different thing. He, he, here's what I. I you know, and I even asked, you know, David Coombs on our show a couple of times, do, do riders owe the media anything? Do they owe us anything? And Davey kind of, you know, dodged a little bit by saying, you know, ultimately it's up to the rider. They, they do not owe us anything. And I think that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. I think they owe the sport, the people that, that are paid to cover or, or that, you know, have the profession of covering the sport, they owe access and whether you feel that that's – what other sport does it, Steve? What other sport allows the athletes to walk off the field and not be talked to for three months? Well, I mean, uh, before I get to that, let me ask – answer, answer the, this, this about Dungey. Yeah. Do you, do, you, do, you, do you look at him – do you look at his robotic way as a problem if your sponsors or his parents or his fans, or do you just accept that in your mind? What do you think? Now, if I'm if I'm in Dungey's team, if I'm his PR team, I'm saying he's he's doing exactly what he's supposed to do. Okay, all right, fair enough. Now, getting back to the three month thing, um, I think if you're James Stewart, you point out to people, hey, Tiger Woods doesn't do anything but is on his own website. Mm-hmm. When's the last time Tiger Woods sat down? I mean, when he sits down for a one on one. Of course, I'm going to have a, a devil's advocate side of that in a second. But yeah. when he sits down for a one-on-one, it's huge news. Nobody gets inside that circle. Nobody controls what people see of Tiger Woods but Tiger Woods. Now, of course, here's the flip side. He's no longer winning, and people aren't caring about him. Yeah. So, But, but, but when he goes to a golf tournament, Steve, he, he does have mandatory where he goes in and talks to the okay. press. It's Good. mandatory. Good point. You're right. Okay. You're right. So that, that, I'm not talking. I mean, if, if he wants to do an exclusive, or James wants to do an exclusive, or or, or DSPN, or Sports Illustrated, or, or Pulp, or Racer X, or anybody, that's 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 him. I'm talking about last year at Bud's Creek, or uh, at uh, Unadilla with the with the, uh, with the debacle with the you know yeah. um, the the designation stuff, you know you know things like that. Yeah. And, and James, I mean, I, I saw some of the racetrack stuff this year with with after the Supercrosses, and he he did do that. Um, you know, not after his arrest, I, I felt the first time it was a story. The second time, I didn't feel it was a, a relevant story. Uh, Larry Brooks thing. This this is, was stuck in my craw the whole season long. That is a story. That is a story that needs to be told. Um, it, it, it's relevant. The the. Um, he doesn't think so. Yeah, taking, he I know, but taking yeah. time away to spend with his family. I'm telling you right now, I'm freaking. Uh, that is that is almost insulting to the fans. That is insulting right. to the sport to say, guess what? Um, yeah, he's he's a uh, he's worked every day for for twenty years in this sport every day, but now all of a sudden he needs time with his family. And for us to to swallow that and be like, oh, I guess guess what? Larry Brooks is just all of a sudden overnight, um, you know, reorganized his priorities, <laughs> and it's now it's time to go to recitals. Right. And and to me that that is even more important of a story than the arrest because that is a was a legitimate story from the beginning and it seemed to affect his team and his bike and his setup and, and, and throughout well, the year so it was a story. I'm with you. He uh, I asked him. I wrote a comment. I wrote a story on Racer X about it. Uh, I asked him for a comment. Told him I was doing it. He said there's nothing to talk about. And then um, 
you know, when I wrote a few things about how he has not won since Larry Brooks left and how I'd been on many teams with good managers and shitty managers, and I know what a manager does, and James hasn't won since Larry's been – I got an angry phone call from James Stewart. Um, Not happy that I printed that out, you know, um, that I I kept on harping that, and I told him straight up, I believe it's a story. Mm -hmm. It's news. You have a – what does he have – at that point, he had like a 92% winning percentage in races that he he didn't crash in. Right. And – he had now gone eight in a row, and and five of those were without crashing, been right. beaten. And I said, so if I'm a reporter, I'm going, why? Why? What's going on? What's happening? And I kept coming back to, as a former guy in the sport, a former mechanic, I kept coming back to the manager. And I know Larry. And I, and mm-hmm. I think that's part of the problem is James thought I was, you know, pining for my buddy Larry Brooks. Well, I'm not that close to Larry. It's not like him and I go to barbecues together. But, yes, I right. do know him. I did right. work for him. I know what he's like. And he's no angel, don't yeah. get me wrong. But, uh, but James really didn't understand why that was a story, and perhaps that is where the breakdown is, you know? But, but let me ask you this. If the story for James is Larry not leaving, that's his side of the story, why is that not relevant? Why would James be like, if you don't talk about it, it goes away? And if, you, if we've learned nothing about this sport, is if you, get, if you give a, a fire nowhere to go, it, 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 it's yeah. just a burn. Absolutely. No, and, no. And if not, you have Arizona. That's what the Larry Brooks story is to me. Is it's just a, a little fire that starts in the campfire, and now, look, it's 700-something square miles of fire. Mm-hmm. And, if, and unless you talk about it, unless you put it out, it's going to continue to burn because guess what? Larry Brooks will eventually surface back in the sport somewhere, well, I'm, I'm assuming. Um, James will have to address this question at some point, in his, it, somebody's going to get to him and, and ask him the question. So it will, and as long as it goes unanswered, it will still be relevant. I agree. I agree. And, and I couldn't agree more. And it's amazing that you look at certain scandals in sports or whatever, and this is what you do. You get out in front of the message, and you control the message. And this doesn't seem to happen in our sport, and, and it's very, very bizarre. I, I, you're right. And I if, J- if James believes that, if he believes that in his heart, that Larry Brooks leaving that had no effect, then guess what? That, that's your statement, James. That's yeah. what you're saying. Right. Hey, have yeah. you had him on the show? You have to, right? Oh, yeah. We, we okay. had him on uh, uh, last, uh, right before the Supercross season. He okay. put it up on his site, and it was, you know, it was a fun interview. Yeah. It, was, it was all that stuff. And then uh, after the Supercross season, you know, it, it went through, and, and uh, I think I asked him to be on you know, once or twice, and it never worked out. But um, right. I, I haven't had him on this year. My point is, is that uh, he's a great interview. He's he is funny. He he is a good interview. He does he does work it well. It's not like he just locks up and, and starts talking about Nazis and how they right. were great for the world. Right. He, right. He, he's a good interview. He's 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 funny. He's outgoing. Um, there's no reason to me why he doesn't do more of them and 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 get out front and control that message. But for the ultimate opinion on this, for the ultimate opinion, perhaps we bring in. Jason Wygant. I'd love to. All right, hold on one second. All right, and with that, I, 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 we have Jason Wygant on the phone. The Weege, what's up? Yeah, this is an amazing – I'm like, man, don't fight over me, guys. I don't know what to do. Well, you know, uh, uh, I, I thought – remember we were making fun – weren't we making fun of Isaac this morning on IM? Oh, I've got I mean, the copies of it, Wygant, you little shit. Don't, yeah. Don't even try to hide. I think we were making fun of Isaac. Then I thought, you know what, I want to talk to Isaac. And, and it, oh, like, oh, yeah, yeah. You said, speaking of Iser, I'm going to do a podcast with Iser. Right, yes, because we were making fun of his love for the French. Right, exactly. And then after, right after that, I said, I'm going to call Iser up and we're going to do a podcast because Iser is always an interesting guy to talk to. 
Yeah. And then we we spent the last 20 minutes arguing about which show is better. So, um, anyways, uh, Wygant, we were just talking about James Stewart and Dungey and Reed and how Reed's love got got the fans on his side. How Stewart and Dungey have a little ways to go. Let me ask you the question that Iser asked Coombs on his show. Do the riders owe the media anything? Do they owe us something? Uh, no, they don't. They okay. don't. They can, they can I, I mean, I've said this over and over. I even hesitate to praise Chad Reed for how far he's come with the media because, honestly, if you're any other rider besides him who's hearing that, I'm sure he's pumped to hear that we were pumped on him. I'm sure that's great for him. But if you're any other rider, how easy would it be to say, well, these media guys are so selfish, they just like the guy who gives them the most interviews and helps them do their job the best. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I, you good, know, I always read really more so because not just the access, not just because he gives us interviews when he wants, because they don't owe us that. They don't have to be on call 24-7. And I hear plenty of guys in the, in the media complain like, dude, I sent this guy a text and he just never texted me back. Well, they just have to be at our beck and call all the time. I don't, I don't think they do. Right. Where I'm going to praise Reed is because when he does do interviews, whether he did one or a thousand, although right now he seems to do a thousand, the stuff he gives you is gold. Substance. And that's what I'm going to praise him for. He does an awesome job. He has proven that you can actually give away real information and it won't result in you getting fifth place at the next race because you've (laughs) showed a weakness or given away a secret. Right. That's Jason, do you before. remember the, the, the latter years of R.C.'s career when we would look over in the press conference and almost have a wet oh, dream God. when he would talk about suspension and actually talk about how the yeah. bike was handling what the – I mean, real stuff, like you said, that somebody could use, you know, use or use against or whatever. He was basically you know, at the precipice of talking about substantive things about the bike. Yeah, and I think the, the joke was back then that that was Ricky trying to prove to the NASCAR folks that he knew something about setting up – vehicles that could win races. Right. Um, so I don't even know if the stuff he was saying was even true or not, or if he was out there just trying to show how you know technically adept he was, but whatever. It was good to hear. It was more information than we're used to getting, and I'm going to praise Reed for the type of info he's giving us. I don't want to just say he's awesome because I could text him right now and get an interview, because that's just that's not how these guys should be judged. They shouldn't have. None, none of us in this, in, this, in this trifecta conversation are saying that if you text somebody, if they don't call you back, they're an asshole. I'm yeah. saying yeah, but this. We had heard that, it before. But yeah. I'm saying this, is that if you, are, if you are part of this sport, whether you do it during the middle of the week or you do it at the racetrack, you have an, an obligation to the sport, to the fans, to your sponsors, to give interviews. You well, cannot do a blackout, a media blackout in this sport, and it not cause some friction. Is, is well, point. That, then I say this. They don't owe it to us. They owe it to themselves. They're only going to hurt themselves. And I, I, I try to explain that all the time. Listen, I'm not just texting or calling because I want to interview for my own selfish personal gain. I mean, maybe there's a few times where I've needed to get the big story, and I've been pumped over who I was able to get. And actually what's funny is usually the rider in that situation is, can you get the James Stewart interview, ironically enough, because it's not easy to get. But, you know, I would say that the biggest name in any sport is always a big get, whether he's easy to work with or not. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but, but, but my point is, if he doesn't want to do that or they don't want to do that, it doesn't just hurt me. 
it hurts them. And that's the point I'm always trying to make. It's not just for our selfish personal gain. You can block out the media if you want, and it's not going to get me mad. It's going to get the fans mad, your sponsors oh. mad. It's going to hurt yeah. your paycheck. Yeah, I, it's going to make your it life gets miserable. Me mad. It gets Iser mad. <laughs> it definitely gets Iser mad. But I don't, I don't want uh, yeah. any rider or any person to think that that's what matters. I'm not saying to do it for my own personal gain. Right. Do it for yourself. Because as it's been proven over and over, and I'm sure that's what you guys are talking about here, if you do the media blackout, you're going to have a lot more in your hands than just David well, Iser being pissed that's off. That's what Iser was just saying, how a campfire starts off and gets now into it's a Arizona forest fire. fire. It's, it's, it's well, because it, it never gets put out. It's so funny because I just ran into two instances, one with Tyler Rattray and one with Barsha, where I was mm-hmm. texting them. I needed to interview them for different magazines or whatever, uh, websites, right. and neither guy got back to me. Barsha took like three texts, and Rattray took two texts. And what, eventually when I got to them, they both said, hey, sorry for not getting back to you. And both times I said, you know what? I don't care. I'm fine. I know you're busy. I'm totally right. – like, I don't take this person at all. I'm just going to keep yeah. hitting you up because I need it. But, you know, at the same time, I, trust me, I'm not mad. And I kind of told them both the same exact thing. And, and you know, whatever. I got the interviews. But I, yeah. I don't get mad. I'm just like, I don't understand it. I don't get it. But, hey, whatever. All right, I'm the lesser well, man yeah, here. I get it in the right context. <laughs> I, here, here's why I get mad, and I'll tell you why. Because I, I don't take it personally if somebody doesn't text me back. I take it personally as a fan because let's you know let, let's say what, we're, what we are here. DMXS is entertainment. We are not the journalistic source that Racer X and Pulp is and all that stuff. So we, we have a different pulp. plan. Pulp. So, pulp. He said pulp. Yeah, I did. So I, so I don't. I'm not saying that we're we're the guys getting the scoops. We're the guys at the, at the races every weekend, pounding out the you know the, the miles in the air, getting to the races and stuff. What I'm saying is this: is as a fan, when Larry Brooks leaves, and I'm told he's spending time at recitals and picnics, and that story has not yet been told. We're here. We are the third race, the fourth race in the Outdoor Nationals. It still hasn't been told. As a fan, it's insulting. And that, to me, is, you know, is, is a source of, of, of aggravation. And, and I, I will go to my grave saying this, is that riders owe the media and the fans. And I'm, I will say, oh, I think it's part of their job to represent the sport the best that they can, represent the, um, their sponsors and their team the best that they can. Right. Well, and again, if, and if, you own, if you own your own freaking team, fine, then, then you don't have to. But guess what? You will watch your endearing fans Drop like flies, especially the the hardcore ones <laughs> that know, know the sport. Eyes are on the on the soapbox. Um, why no, get... but that's that's the whole point. It's nothing. It's they aren't. Those guys are not obligated because Steve Mathis has a story to do for a magazine to suddenly have to call him on a Tuesday afternoon or whatever it is. However, if you have a problem on your hands like the Larry Burke situation or any of the other situations that the rider that owns his own team has gone through, if you do nothing to douse those flames then you cannot complain about being railroaded. Yes, and that's yes. the part that gets me that's the part that gets me mad. It's not Thank you. Thank it's you. not me being mad that you're not giving me the interview. What gets me mad is now you've made your life miserable. Cuz you got to write about you're it. You're not going to take responsibility for doing that to yourself. Right, cuz cuz guys like me and you are going to write about it or I just going to talk about it because it's a topic, it's it's relevant, it's interesting to fans, they want to know. And if we yeah. don't have your story, we're forced to Come up yeah. with rumors and hearsay, and talk to this person or this person or whatever. Um, right, and then they yeah. then they get mad at us for not knowing what's going on. Well, if if you have a good story to tell, just tell us, and we'll be glad to put it out there. And yeah. I just put it this way all the time: any of the baseball players who pretty much came out and said, "Yeah, okay, I did steroids," are pretty much good right now. Yeah, you know, exactly. it kind of washes away. 
It's one why the Congress the guys who going just to refuse to admit it. Yeah. It just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. It never works. You cannot this, hide. And this is to a lesser degree. a good point. To, it's an excellent to point. To the le- lesser degree, this is nothing more than Congressman Weiner showing his cock all over the Twitter and everything else. If you, whatever this story is, this, that, that's a good example of how you handle it. He denied, 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 didn't talk about it, whatever, whatever, whatever. And guess what? You eventually have to face it. It never goes away. That no, story it doesn't. The, the, the nope. Brooks story will eventually have to be told. The arrest story is going to eventually have to be told. The, um, you know, whatever the story is, it's going to eventually have to be told. So the longer you, pro, you think that it's going to go away, all it does is gains momentum. It's the snowball coming down the hill. Hey, actually, this is a good time to talk about that arrest there, bounty hunter, man of the law, David Iser. Um, <laughs> uh, by the way, you got any good stories lately? Anything exciting happen? Did you bust through any doors? Any wrong doors? No, I haven't. I haven't shot anybody or beat okay. anybody up. But um, here's the I'm, thing: I'm St- Stewart got arrested, impersonating a police officer, felony charge. It got dropped. Uh, he got rearrested. I've nobody's really talked about it. It's kind of glossed over a little bit and whatever. Yep. In your mind, Iser, what's the story there? Is this way serious still? Is this a no, sort here, of a- here's what happens? Everybody talks about how how uh, how strong or how the most powerful people in the world, you know, the most powerful person in, in government Wygant. is a, is a, is Jason Wygant and district yeah. attorneys, because they are the ones that wield the power of deciding what to prosecute, what to drop, what to plea, what your sentences are. They have this unwielding power. They're elected officials. So I guess that's the, the caveat to it is since they're elected, they're, they're, you know, I guess people don't think they're going to abuse that power. Here's what's happened. These state troopers, they're, they're sworn peace officers. They have now gone and said, no, 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 to this, to this lower court. You know, we, you, we're, we're police officers. You are not going to dismiss this and mm-hmm. make us look like we didn't know what we were doing. This is all politics. That's why this, to me, is no longer a story because the story was he was arrested, the charges were dismissed or, or whatever. Now it's political, and I, I, I do feel for James being caught up in that because now it is nothing more than, than uh, testosterone of these witnesses Pushing it up the up the ladder to district attorney, saying you can let this 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 superstar motocross rider tell us you know what to do with our cases. Right. Okay. So so it's it's really it's really a non-story in your mind. It, it's totally, and that's why I was so glad that when it broke, James tweeted a few things or whatever, right. and, and it, it had no legs because guess what? It, it you know the, the story had, had run its course, and this is this is political. This is uh, um, you know, unfortunately he's caught up in being being famous. In your eyes, Iser, should the original charges have been dropped? Of course, you're not a lawyer. Of course, you. you but you, out of the, us three idiots, you have somewhat more of a grasp of this than yeah. We, I mean, we did. I, I did I did a bunch of research on that law and looked at some of the some of the case law associated with it, and I didn't see anything where it was where a vehicle was not pulled over. Um, it was more used when people actually literally pulled over. So once they realized they were a cop and kept going and there was no actual no vehicle stopped, to me I felt that that was, that was going to be a weaker case anyway. Okay, all right. Um, so I, I, didn't think it, I, I never thought it melted guidelines uh, for a felony. Right. And, and like I said, now it's unfortunate that, uh, that it's been kicked up the ladder because now DAs, like I said, they're elected. Yeah. So they, they have to worry about their constituents and, and making – so you know, per- making perhaps all the people, people happy. Perhaps people were like saying, "Hey, wait a minute! You let off this superstar guy." And exactly. Yeah, yeah. And the witnesses were freaking cops. Right. Right. Okay. Which get which are the star witnesses for every prosecution case from the beginning of time? They're all on the same side. Hey, uh, Jason Wygant. Yep. Um, yep. Do you feel at all that James and his people feel like they don't need 
the mainstream moto, moto media? Do you feel like they feel like us suckers are going to be there anyways, clamoring at him, wanting to get anything from him? He's got a, re- a reality show that apparently does pretty well and, you know, in the ratings and brings him money. He's got Nike. He's got – do you feel at all like that James or his people think that? Uh, there may be a hint of that, but I don't think that's their ultimate um, issue mm-hmm. or motivation with not giving us the access that uh, Chad Reed does. I don't think that's the main reason why. I mean, maybe they feel a little bit like that. But I, I think the real thing is that Stewart came through and pretty much everything was positive for, what, the first 18, 19 years of his entire existence in the sport. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He was The only blip was not moving up to 250 that one year. That was his only blip till. Yeah, but he still went out there and and destroyed people on a 125. So there still wasn't that much backlash for that. You know, so everything's positive pretty much his whole career. He's a prodigy. People think he's awesome. It's exciting to watch. His kid's going to go and take the sports to new places. Everybody was on board to train. Nothing negative ever, ever. And then all of a sudden it goes south for the first time. And he gets to experience what when's that? every other rider really about that age gets to experience. When's which that? Is this weird thing. Of, what's that? When, is, when does it go south in your eyes? When he jumps up oh, and breaks his arm? he goes arm? into the or... class and okay. he gets beat by Ricky Carmichael. Okay. And suddenly, I was there. I was at these races. He is getting booed. He is getting booed for the first time, I'm sure, in his life. Now, you can fabricate some stories when they're doing, you know, some mainstream media thing with Bryant Gumbel on HBO about, you know, when they first went to the track, all the barriers they had to cross. And maybe that's true. But for the most part, since he's been in the spotlight, it had been all positive. And even at the beginning of that 2005 season, it was positive. There weren't, people weren't, you know, there weren't lines drawn over, you know, these people are Carmichael lovers and Stewart haters. It was during the season that that began to happen because Mm -hmm. Carmichael's reputation began to improve as that season went on, much like, say, Reed's reputation has this year, you know. You go to Anaheim 1-2005, and there were fans of everyone all across the board. Midway through that year, Carmichael had won over everyone. Stewart was getting beaten. A, he has to deal with that for the first time in his life. He's getting beat, which he's not used to. Straight up. Second, he's getting booed. And I think right then and there, you know, then he tries to do some damage control that would normally work, and it didn't work anymore. Anything he's saying can and will be used against him. Um, <laughs> right. And I think all of a sudden it was like, Ooh, they were not prepared for this. He was not raised like this. Like, you can't just get praised for everything for 15 years and then all of a sudden in six months have it go the wrong way. And I think he was used to, he could always go to the podium and just smile and, hey, the kid's spectacular. Right, right. Though when he was running through play. people yeah. on a 125, it was spectacular. When he was running through people, Carmichael, it was People hated it. So why? And, why? Sorry to interrupt you. Why was it? Yeah. Ricky learned the same lesson. U.S. Open crown, all that. Yep. Why was it worse for Stewart than Ricky? Well, or was just it? a different stage at that point? Yeah, I think Stewart then is, then starts thinking, "What is wrong with these people? Everything I say, they twist it and they use it against me. So I'm not saying anything anymore. I'm done talking to people." Right. And he's even said when he's done podcasts with you, Steve. The only interview he really likes to do is something that's audio or video because he feels if you're typing it, it's not even accurate. Is that right. – he said that, right? Yeah, yeah. On your show. Yeah. Is that not the sign of a guy who feels like he has been burned, that his One, words have been twisted and used against him? Once bitten, twice shy. So that's where I think the, the trouble is. Now, somewhere along the way, some riders, Carmichael and Reed, have figured out, okay, this is a game that can be spun against me. 
I'm going to play the game and spin it for me. I mean, it gets to the point now where we think Reed is doing. It's like Reed's doing like freestyle interviews. Like he's throwing whips and one handers in the interview. Yeah, fun. yeah. No, we we talked about that before you came on. I talked about how Reed could tell us he has a dinosaur. We'd all believe him. He could almost say anything. Yeah. I mean, he came <laughs> out and said he had a full factory Honda, and he came out and told people, "Yeah, I just got a few things from Honda." And I'm sitting there and I'm reading this in other reports. I'm reading yeah. this in MXA yeah. and on Vital, and I'm going, yeah. well, but, but 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 it's not, yeah. you know. And, yeah. and, and and but he's just telling us, and so we're all going, uh huh, uh huh. No, uh-huh. exactly. But it didn't. It takes a while for those guys to figure that out. And I think, you know, in the Carmichael end, Iser and I have said this a million times over, in the Carmichael end, it was, it was mind games 24-7. I don't think a word that he said in his, you know, prime. Wasn't for a reason, yeah. Right. Wasn't right. for a reason. So it takes that level to, to spin that um, the, the right direction. And what's funny about all this is we clearly then have no idea what reality is. You know, it's – right. Words being twisted negatively, words being twisted positively. We have no clue where, yeah. we're even, where is center. I don't even know anymore. Yeah, you just got as a media guy, you got to write down what they say and then just just kind of come up with your own stuff um, from what you know. Right. You know, um, like Iser and I were saying before you came on, he James Stewart is a good interview. He is. Yeah, he, awesome. And, yeah. And, and here's the the, the 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 dichotomy for me is I, I'm close to his mom or I've known her forever. And I know she's a, they're great parents. They're, they're a good family. They're, they're good people. I, I, I'm not saying that one way or the other. I, I mean, that, that's the, the, what I'm tortured about is not coming across saying that, that James is bad in any way. As a matter of fact, every time he does an interview, it's usually great. It, it usually is something that's, that's newsworthy and, and, and fans do enjoy. That's why it's so frustrating for me that that's not more of the comp. But, Jason, I want to get back to one thing. I don't expect him to have to answer the, the phone or text during the week. I'm talking about at the track having access, media having access to him while he's at the races. That's all I'm saying. That's what should be mandatory. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. And okay. I feel like, A, with, with what we've already cited, Carmichael and Reed were able to turn the tides by saying the right thing at the right time. B, with Stewart's ability to do the same thing, because he is a great interview, it would be so easy for him to go to the Atlanta Supercross when Brooks has let go, invite us, drug addicts for interviews with James Stewart over to his pits. We would all run over there like yeah. what, trained dog. Am I right? Trained dog. Oh, God, I got to go. I'm in the middle of a life of a heart surgery, but I'm dropping it because I'm going to go see what James says. Absolutely. Exactly. Right. Then he goes out there, gives his side of the story on the Brooks thing. He can say whatever he wants. He's going to sound smart because when he does do interviews, he comes across well, and then he'd have fixed that whole problem. You do that with two or three other incidents that happen, and the next and everything thing you know. Everything's forgiven. Everything's yeah. forgiven. And, and, Carmichael and, had a 25. If Carmichael had had his fuel penalty in 2002, he would have been vilified. He would have been. It would have been. No one can remember this now, but he was hated as much as Stewart has been at Stewart's prime. No one will agree with me on this, except maybe you, Steve. But in 2002, Carmichael was not liked by the fans. He was. But guess not. what I just said before you came on? I said how Carmichael used the media to help his position there, and he did Absolutely. it artfully and skillfully. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. You, so it turns into right. Carmichael gets a fuel penalty, and he manages to somehow he gets penalized. <laughs> somehow he manages to get the fans a hundred percent on his side. Yeah. No one accuses him of actually cheating at all. Well, listen, I'm at, I'm at Yamaha. I'm at Yamaha at that point as a mechanic. We got dinged. You know, Reed, uh, Villeman, Tyson Hadsel somehow ended up with negative twenty-five points because <laughs> he he only got two. <laughs> Right, and, and and we're going. We are saying, Wygant, well, you're exactly right. We are saying, WTF? What? What? 
How, where was yeah. this for us? What? what? <laughs> you know, I mean, you're exactly right. He, he, but if you build goodwill, it's, it, you bank it. And I think that's what Shane right. was saying is that with, with Stewart, he can still bank the goodwill. And, yeah. and Jason, we're all naive not to think that this is a give and take, that, we're, that there, there are um, you know, motives on both sides. I'm not saying it's a pure media thing. There are, we do want good stories. We do want to have the, the breaking stories. We do all that stuff. And the writers do want to get their points across. So I'd be naive to say that it's not, we're not using each other to, to a certain extent. But it has to be done. There has to be the give and take. Well, well, the key is yeah. using each other. It's not just us using them for our own Copy. paycheck. It's Agreed. them using us, us using them. Everyone gets what they want out we're of the deal. We're all whores. We're all whores. I'm fine with that. Um, I don't want to be known as the only one that's the whore. Uh, I'm looking for the interview just for me. But I'm doing the interview with you to help you also. To Stewart's credit, uh, Wygant, you've been shooed away by, by Eric Sorby and others saying he's not going to talk, and then he talks. Yeah, but you know what? That only happened one time. I don't oh, want to make anyone listening to this think, like, this is the way it works over there. Oh, um, I, it happened to me twice. Right, okay. So yeah. that happened to you twice. Me, yeah. personally, it happened one time, and then Stewart did the interview anyway. Yeah. I don't want to make it sound like if you try to get near James of the races, Sorby tackles you, like, that's no, one time ever. Yeah, I guess you're right. I'm uh, not trying to make it sound like yeah. that either. But I'm saying how many people have gone there, been told he doesn't want to talk, and turn around and walk away, but not the dogged Jason Wygant? Oh, That's well, all. actually, I give the credit to uh, Guy B at Vital MX because he actually said to Sorby, well, I'll ask James if he wants to talk, not you. Um, uh, but <laughs> at the end of the night at certain races, you know, the fans gather by the trucks, and by, like, midnight at a Supercross, two hours after the race, there'll be 30 fans in front of Reed's truck, 30 fans in front of Stewart's truck, and right. then a couple of us trained dog journalists hoping they come out so we can talk to them. And I have seen, you know, the announcement come, hey, James, we're going to come out. You know, um, I have seen that happen. So mm -hmm. judge that for what it is. But um, I don't know. Okay. Uh, I have to say that there have been times where I really, really needed Stewart, and he's been really good. The problem is, as soon as things start going south, instead of doing more to help himself more, he tends to hide. And then that only makes things worse, and it makes it worse all around. I'm sure it makes him more tense. It makes us more tense. It makes everyone around him more tense. I mean, dude, seeing him in Atlanta, like, it was a scary situation because it was like everyone on the team was so scared of being asked about the Brooks thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, That's not a fun way to live. Yeah, and, and then, uh, you know, I thought about texting him the other day to, to come on the show, and I was like, you know what? I, I mean, no, I'm, why bother? But I'm going to do it. But I just have been – I've been not replied to so many times. I'm just like, mm -hmm. I kind of beat down already, you know? Yeah. But – um, so let me ask you this. So is now of course this is maybe apples to oranges, but t turning the subject over a little bit, is Jason Lawrence the absolute worst case to what could happen to a guy who has zero goodwill built up with anybody? Jason Lawrence, yeah. and to, to his credit on this point, and I will and, say this. And let me just say, first of all, I'm not saying Stuart. I'm, I'm reaching a bit. I'm J James yeah. is far off that. But in J Law's heyday, when he's winning and he's doing well. He's not talking to anybody. He's not. When doing he won championships, if you if you looked at him, he that boy, that young man, had a legitimate fear of doing interviews. He was not a good public speaker. He always looked uncomfortable. Uh, it's it's like you know when you took public speaking in college or, or, or in high school or whatever, and you you sit when you're inside talking, you always, it always seems like it's worse than the way people are looking at you. And with Jason, I always felt that. I always felt like he had a a legitimate fear 
of uh, giving interviews, and he, he never gave good interviews. And I think that he kind of, like you know, Jason said a little, a little while ago, is you, you learn if uh, you know to, 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 to find ways to avoid that. And even when he was winning, even when he had the number one plate. Okay. I don't think, but the thing I think J-Law had going for him was because his reputation was he was always on the evil side anyway. I think all that stuff worked in his favor. I don't, right. you know, not doing <laughs> interviews, not showing up for stuff, just added to his legacy. Right. And right. when Stewart doesn't show up, when Stewart doesn't show up at the Supercross banquet this year when he finished fourth in points, he gets vilified. Yeah. When Lawrence didn't show up when he won a title, a title. it was considered awesome. Like that was the <laughs> best thing he could have done. Right, to extend right. his rep. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, I feel like the, the grave he's dug, he's dug for himself. I don't feel like there were people out there with I – don't, I don't feel people in the media had a big axe to grind with J-Law, and then they finally found it well, when he got arrested. Does anybody care about J-Law anymore? Why again? I mean, he isn't showing up right now. We don't know what's going on. Rumor has it he's been arrested again. But um, does anybody yeah, – is this a I story mean, at all? They do care more than they – I mean, we've made a joke about yeah. it all year that more people ask where's J-Law than but where's Porcel. But at this and point, in, uh, week, yeah. you know, three races into the Nationals. Yeah, but, I mean, i, I got to give credit. The guy managed to keep the, the where's J-Law thing went on for, what, a year <laughs> past when it should have? Like, right. it's still impressive. Yeah. Even if it's dead now, it's still impressive. <laughs> still had a good run. It is, but can we all agree it's the most irrelevant question of the Nationals right now? I, we, I said that on January 1st it was irrelevant. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I agree. I don't understand. No, yeah, I agree. Um, Although now the Purcell question that no one asks is almost becoming as irrelevant, which ruins my, my parallel there. I'm like, <laughs> why aren't people asking about Purcell? If he came back, he'd really do some damage. But damn it. He did uh, damage. Really, he did damage. But <laughs> you've, got, you've, you've got all the, most of the insight into this with, with Mike on your show and, and, and knowing a little bit with, the, with DV behind the scenes and stuff. Um, I... I, I find it hard to have, and I was one of the ones, I remember at the, at the Bud's Creek designations talking to one of Christoph's best friends, and he talked about, uh, we just, we're, we're just hoping he walks again. We're just hoping that he has a normal life again. And I remember at that point thinking, oh, my gosh, here's just another one of those horrible stories in our sport where a guy's going to be in a chair or be affected. His whole, and then he comes back, and he wins titles, and it's, it's the comeback story of the year. And I was on board, and I loved it. Why don't, why don't I care anymore? <laughs> well, uh, um. First of all, I, I'm going to come off cross like a complete dick saying this, and perhaps I'm, I, I'll, be in, I'll be in hell uh, when this is all over. Christian Craig also had a near paralysis crash. Sure. Josh Hill, we don't even know if he's ever going to race again. Every guy on that line takes a chance of getting hurt, seriously hurt. And I'm just not sure, and here's where I'm going to hell, I'm not sure if you can play that card. He played it. He played it in a in a uh, in an interview with LeBig last week. You know, I know what it is like to be in a chair, and and I don't ever want. To. Of course not. But that's an inherent risk that every racer takes. I don't hear Christian Craig saying it or Josh Hill saying it or please help me. I'm sure there's some other guys. Um, you know that I, I understand what he went through. It's a gnarly. It's amazing. But to me, if you keep saying that for this debacle that was Moto Concepts. I don't. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I go with it. I don't. I, you kind of lose me now. Now you lose me a little bit. And again, how was he using that? What context was he using? He that well, he said it in it to LeBig that you know the bike isn't right. It's not set up. I don't want to hurt myself. I've been there before. I don't want to hurt myself. No. Oh, so, yeah, so, yeah, pull, so he pulls off half a moto. Right. That's what the I'm saying. Bike, he's like Tom Cruise. It doesn't feel right. <laughs> you know, in the, he just won't engage. 
Leave, um, leave, it, to the, leave it to the Georgia and, guy to tell us all about Tom Cruise. <laughs> but but I'm, here, I'm saying this is if that's the case, then then fine. Then you got you got into this. The bike is not agreeing with you. Then you move on. You do the respectful thing. It's a business deal. Then you move on. Not communicating with the team. You know, talking these these conspiracy quotes about uh, no practice bike and stuff. It, it's uh, you know, I'm over it. I mean, I, uh, I, I think if I if yeah. I were the team manager, I sw- and I swear to you this, whether <laughs> this, it's poor seller or not, this would be good. <laughs> if he yeah. if he pulled off at Hangtown and his bike wasn't broken, I would have punched him right in the chest when he got off that bike. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have been like, pack your French shit and get get. This is this. Look at all these people on this line that are here that w- would love the ride that you're on. You don't like the bike? That's fine. You pull off on a bike that's not broken in two two races. Get. You, do, do you tell him at that point that these colors don't run? <laughs> yeah. There, there might be some banjo playing. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, I mean, but I, I think but we're I'm telling you pro- that, that is not, that's not what the outdoors is about. That's not what this sport's about. And if he's lost the will to finish out for points, here's the first race. Okay, you don't know where you're, you're at, you, the speed-wise, whatever. You stay on that track, and you, and you, you try to get the 20th position. You try to get those any points yeah. you can. The great thing um, about our I'm sport. I'm glad that we brought him up. Yeah. Because I think much better than J-Law, that is an example of a guy who didn't do himself any favors, and then when he needed the help, it isn't there. J-Law, I, don't, I think J-Law just dug his own grave, and it wasn't because people were after him. But from my dealings with Forcell the last two years previous to this, he was actually a cool, funny guy to talk to. But he, went, he, did never, he never went out of his way to show that to people. And then he and his agent, who's no longer his agent, I think would play that as, yeah, nobody likes us, nobody likes us, nobody likes us. But you have to try to make people like you. You can't. Yeah. You know, I think that they came in with the people are against us thing right from the start. They built that reputation. They believed it themselves. They did nothing to try to improve it. How many times would we, can we ever get a hold of the guy, ever? Well, for the Not record, ever? I've been trying to get a hold of him for three, four days now, too, because I right. feel like it's been a pile-on um, with yeah. him. And I've been trying to get through a hold of him through yep. uh, Le Big. Um, mm-hmm. who, who I said, hey, I need his number. He wouldn't give me his number, you know. And yeah. then he said, I'll talk, I'll call him, and I'll talk to him. I've been right. trying to do that, and no reply, nothing. So that's and, my and point. I, not having the inside information like you guys, I've, I've never said that I had. But when people tell me that they know for a fact he has, he has not practiced thirty minute motos. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, and again, it's only one side. There's two sides. But Villeman said, okay, how do you go to Hangtown, and yeah. and do what you do, and then you ride seventeen minutes the next week. Right, so my, here, that's my point. So you can, you can talk about sides of the story, but, um, I mean, it's well, going to be hard for him to pull something out of his French ass that's going to make this smell anything <laughs> worse than what it is. It's, it's shitty. Uh, is that he showed up, he's ruined his name in the sport, and he, this is the bike he, he could – that's the only bike he could get on. Well, the, the beautiful thing about our sport is that uh, it all is out there on the racetrack when that gate drops, and it clearly – he was not ready. Oh, well, I guess. Yeah. He was not ready. No, there's no way. There's no way the bike is that far off. Right. Maybe is this possible? Is this possible for someone to know that their BS is such BS that he would know if he did an interview to tell his side of the story that it would sound so ridiculous and make things work? Is it possible for someone <laughs> to be that smart? Maybe. Um, maybe, maybe he's a genius. Maybe he is a genius in his bunker. Maybe he's thing. a genius. And- I know we can't talk about his defense of himself. He doesn't even believe it. Is that that, possible? And that's where I come in and saying, listen, it's an, it's a YZ 450. Tommy Hahn is riding it. Well, Enzo racing Ross Maeda has been around a long time and no suspension. And sure. The bike isn't good, 
But then when you pull out the fact that you're going to be in a, you don't want to be in a wheelchair again because your bike is, I, I, that's where you lose me. You you yeah. lose you lose a little bit of my sympathy when you when you pull that out. That's all. Because it's an yeah, insight into his motivation. That's my point. Is that if, if you're on the track thinking of that, you don't need to be on the track. I mean, these guys are, are paid at this sport because they do what we can't do, and that's right at that level and perform. We can, and I defer to Reed. And and, and that, I guess this was my last straw when he was on the um, the show in the Supercross season when when Kristoff uh, uh, was still negotiating for Supercross contract, and Reed said he's been in a position that we haven't been in. So he knows what he's worth, and I agree with that. I totally agree that a man knows his own worth. So if he says I'm worth $350,000, I will not ride for less than that. That's fine, Christoph. That is a, that's your decision. But when you come on the Moto Concepts and you make that team and, and DV and that, all, the, all those sponsors look like that, that, that debacle that you've done for, these, for those two races, that is unforgivable because you came on that team under the conditions that you set forth to sign the contract. Well, that's, that's, I think, something that people forget who are defending him. Um, it's an employer-employee relationship. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, you signed that deal. You went for the most money. You turned down Geico because the win bonuses wasn't good enough. Right. You rode a Valley Yamaha. You liked the Yamaha. You told Geico that you liked the Yamaha. You signed with Moto Concepts, sight unseen, without knowing, without riding the bike, and now you turn around and say the bike's not ready? Yeah, if this was China and he was forced into the balance beam and gymnastics and didn't <laughs> like the balance beam, fine. Yeah. Okay, but you, you chose this team to ride for, and that's the effort you gave. I, I, I watched Ryan Dungey push his broken bike back to the pits, and I see Christoph Porcel coast a perfectly good bike back to the pits. Now, you tell me which one of those two deserved to, to be on that gate. Right. <laughs> yeah, but here's the funny part. That's a brilliant point because, Mathis, what you were saying earlier was, you know, you can't hide in the racetrack. And at one point, Dungey was dealing with Lawrence and then dealing with Porcel, and look at where these three guys are at now. You know, yeah, Dungey's good point. Courted by point. multiple teams, has multiple titles. Millions of dollars. Now, yeah. yeah, he's trying to put himself on the, the Mount Rushmore of this sport. And the other two guys may not ever even race again. But right. good point. despite all that, we're still digging into Dungey for not doing a good enough job with the press. Right. Well, I Dungey guess, yeah. is everything is people are supposed to want, but when we get it, we don't necessarily well, get it. And I said, and before you came on, I said that, is if I'm in, in, in Dungey's PR team, he's exactly what I want him to be because he's, he's a great rider, he's a great racer, he's a great representative of the sport, and, and I differentiate between the two in that, you know, uh, Ryan comes on our show. It, you know, it takes a couple of weeks to get, get something lined up, but he, he does answer the interviews. He does give the exact same answers to a lot. I think that verb voiceover was pretty funny when everything he said was super pumped because, you know, he, he yeah. is, he, he's, he's pretty super pumped all the time. But he, he produces. Uh, Purcell's uh, magic trick was over 15 minutes yeah. in that first moto because, as I call totally. the motocross bike, a truth machine, you can lie all week long about what you're doing, how many motos you're doing, how many road bike miles you're doing. But you come to the weekend, there's no, there's no way around it. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, it, it, it's pretty cool actually that you, you get that level of respect for the sport. And I think it's—I was talking to someone about Stewart actually last week, and and you know the Unadilla thing here with, with him last year proved the same thing. You, no matter how good you are, it's just too tough for anyone to just show up. Thank goodness. Uh, yeah, there are stories, you know, of guys doing it. I think Stewart at some point has done it in his career, or, or Ron Lachine. But even then, those guys were in the groove every week. And they'd have one crazy night and win the race. And you, you can't just yeah. sit on the sidelines for ten months and then do it. And you wonder how much those stories are exaggerated over time as well, especially with Lachine. Yeah, you know, point. I mean, at this point, it's it's like at this point, you know, you got dropped off by an alien spacecraft onto the starting line. 
anyone, you know. Um, um, but, you know, uh, I look back, too, talk, and I told his agent this, his ex-agent, at one time, David Villeman was not liked. He was the stinky Frenchman who was beating MC. He was weird. His English wasn't good. He wore those ugly, over-the-top glasses like they were cool. And Villeman started coming out and doing seat wheelies, coming out and doing nose, nose wheelies, started uh, heel-clicking, started saying, I love America. And soon, DV, I mean, I don't know if loved is the right word, but uh, Cobra. he started turning it around. His goon riding, yeah. I mean, he, he did. And, 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 and uh, our country has a history of uh, adoring foreign riders. We, we will embrace a foreign rider as our own. And so you can't use the, the foreign thing and, and, and all that stuff, too. And um, Jason, did you see the Darren Durham high point lap one of the GoPro camera yet? Yeah. Yeah, yelling at <laughs> yelling but, over but the if, if you look If you look at that, that lap, one lap of those guys, and you tell me that Jason Lawrence hasn't been on the gate in a year and a half. Look at the pace those boys are running. That is yeah. the opening lap of an outdoor national. This sport will pass you by in a second. You can't tell me, James Stewart, if you don't race the, race the outdoor nationals, that, you, that you're just in good shape as everybody else. You can't tell me, Jason Lawrence, you race a year and a half, you're going to show up at Hangtown, all of a sudden be on, be on the podium. Purcell, yeah. you can't sit out of Supercross season, show up with these boys that have been kicking ass since January. At a, at, a, at a level you can't even think about on a 450 and, and compete with them, guess what, guys? The, the, the gig is up. You yeah, can't do yeah it. I agree. I agree. And I, that, that, uh, the people didn't warm up to Porcel because it was a foreign thing. Uh, that really rubbed me the wrong way, really rubbed me the wrong way, because it was so – you could see right through that. You can name ten riders who were foreign. Yeah. Chad Reed, the fans have no problem with him being, oh, well, it's because he's French. He's not Australian. You just yeah. brought it up. Villeman went from hated because he was French, and he turned it around because he was a good dude. That's Tortelli. All you, do. Tortelli. you. Don't blame us. Tortelli. Yeah, Tortelli. Exactly. I mean, These guys on. have no issues. I would, um, I would mouth kiss Tortelli. I'm just telling you right now. He's a good-looking man. He's a good-looking man. He is a good-looking guy. If yeah. I was gay, I'm a Tortelli. I'd have his poster on my wall. And, and, and guess what? He's, when he's, I think, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, when pure, I think class, I think, appreciated always. When I think class, I think Sebastian Tortelli. Always yes. a gentleman. Always a great guy. Um, Albertine, right. same thing. <clears throat> yeah, no. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I would think Weege. I would think that uh, I, you know more non-English speaking people, but we just brought up Roncot and Tortelli and Villeman as examples. Yeah, so. you you can. It, it goes back to the same thing we're saying. You can use the media to your advantage, and maybe use it even too strong a word because I don't think these guys have sinister <laughs> plots. They right. just they were themselves. They put it out there. They really weren't bad. If you're, hey, let's put it this way. If you're really not a cool guy and people think you're not a cool guy, well, I guess that's just the way it is. But if you are, you know, just put it out there and, and people are going to like it no matter where you're from or even how good your yeah. results are. You know what I mean? Like, you seem to like Tim Ferry for whatever reason, and well, he only won a couple of races, I mean, at that level. Oh, really? But, a couple? That's it? Really? Hmm. I mean, he won a couple. Oh, that's out of funny. nowhere, slammed oh, Ferry. That's funny. Uh, four Supercross wins, uh, four <laughs> national wins, Summercross. But, uh, yeah. but that's my point. Like, people... Do people like Tim Ferry because of four Supercross wins or four national wins? Is and that people why? would still would still love to see, if Ferry came back. If he if, if that people they'd still be lying the gates with with, with Ferry posters. That's how it, it, that's my point. Eight races in a Summercross, and and it has nothing to do with that. That's fans, a win a year or something you're averaging. It has nothing to do with the wins. Yeah, they'll they'll, they'll take a bullet for for a rider that they. And that's what I'm saying. So when you see Dungey push up a broken bike and you see Porcel coast in a good bike. Those two things will never go unnoticed to a motocross fan. Yep. Yeah, no, yep. well said, well said. Uh, why can't you got to go, or you want to talk about Damian Millsaps and Yogi? 
Uh, I got to finish my uh, my column here. This is I've already done. I've I've done my hour with you this week. Well, I did have to cut it short. All right, thanks, buddy. Can I, can I tell you guys a story that you guys will like? Please. Involve Timmy. I'll, I'll tell it also on the podcast next week, but I got I couldn't finish the podcast this week, so I'll just tell you now. Let's do my it. My favorite story of the whole week in a high point is Sunday morning at the hotel. There are two girls that I think work for John Ayers, and they work in like the t-shirt trailer and do some Toyota displays or whatever, right? And they're like they're pretty cute, and they're always hanging around at the races. They're doing whatnot. One of them is down at the Continental Breakfast in the morning. Wearing like the booty shorts that'll say GC or yeah, yeah. can't touch this or right. pink ice, yeah. ice baby or whatever it says, <laughs> right? Um, one of them's wearing the booty shorts, and they say a loop. Oh yeah. Oh come on. Yes. yes. Come on. Custom made booty shorts. <laughs> not even here. Not even at the races. Right. Hasn't raced outdoors in two years. Right. Still running the a loop shorts. Now there's a guy. Wow. Now there's a guy. Just before you go, there's a guy that <laughs> maybe is mixed up with some bad stuff off the track. He's had some distractions. You know, he's trying his best. He, he almost got fired. He's back. He's riding good, and you just can't help but like him because he's friendly and outgoing, right? I mean, it's all this stuff that J Law people kept saying. Oh, you just don't like J Law because you're straight and narrow, and and you know you're a prude. But there's Stroop struggling, trying to nope. keep it together. And we like still, him. He can still do it. We pull for him, right? Yeah. I think so. You know, there's a, there, it's a, there's a very, it's not a thin line. There's a very big line between, you know, Lawrence partied and they said that Ron Lachine partied. But did anyone say that Ron Lachine was a bad guy? Yeah, that's exactly it. And that's how Mitch Payton broke it down to me one time. We, oh, really? Yeah, he said <clears throat> the difference between J-Law and Ronnie is that Ronnie was a good guy. People liked him. He was goofy and funny. And we all yeah. knew he kind of went away at night and he had these demons and he had this stuff going on. But then when you saw him on the track, he'd be like, hey, man, what's up? You know, like, right. uh, uh, good guy, good heart. The um, so machine wasn't an ear biter. And I think, what, I mean, Bingo. I personally witnessed J-Law <laughs> do some dick things to people. Yeah. I've seen it with my own yeah. eyes. And, uh, yeah. and so, yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. I don't know. You know, but then people just yeah. say he donated to the Asterix Medical Cause and, and Mathis, for the Magoo fu- van. And, yeah, and Mathis, you tubby piece of crap. But I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm just saying. So I don't know. Yeah, it's, it is, it I is hard to do. It. A, you have to be yourself, and then B, well, like I said, if you really aren't, if you're really a bad dude, I don't, I don't know what advice I can give you. We used to say when I was in college for PR, it's hard to put perfume on manure. If it really is what it is, you're in big trouble. Mm-hmm. But I believe the case that most of these guys. And it's the same thing James Stewart is fighting right now, that if he were just himself and he were open and just explain things honestly, he'd be good to go. Right. But doesn't well, – hey, Last question it. for you, Wagan. I want you to go and finish your – beat your deadline. What will Purcell race another outdoor national this year? This year? Yeah. Oh, hell no. No. How about a GP? No, because will, I feel – Will you do a GP? You know, I'm hearing there's not as much traction there as, as, uh, as people think, but – I feel like every time I talk to you on, on your show or this show or whatever, Iser, I'm whatever show you're on, thing. whatever show you're on, you don't even know. <laughs> yeah, because it was a done yeah. deal. He was a Geico, freaking done deal. Uh, yeah, I, a, yeah, and also <laughs> I think in November I said if I or October I was leaning one direction. I think Reed was going to retire. I yeah. think I put Grant Langston into retirement in what 2004. Yeah, on KTM. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so I'm I'm the last one to know. The That's why I'm going to ask you because I'm I'm going to report completely opposite tomorrow. So whatever you tell me today, I'm reporting yes. opposite tomorrow. 
stamp it, he's racing the GPs. Let me. Add, what about a GNCC? Love <laughs> well, a works yeah. race. <laughs> yeah. It, at this point, Arena Cross might be a tough one to him to finish. Um, Pro Sport, the problem with right, Porcel is he's already gone through the the last resort. Always the last shot these guys always get is a team owner who sees a shot at glory and throws all the chips down. And Good he already point. did that. Great point. Good point. He's already gone. Like, we've seen, you know, guys fall from factory ride and then get rescued. But he's already, he's already been rescued. Yeah. So, you, you know, the coster said, and we'll end it on this, is that I asked him, I said, are you interested in Porcel? He says, no, I'm looking for a proven 450 guy. And that's the whole thing is, is all, the, all the potential. It's, it, 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 it's, it has no value. There's no currency in our, in our market. It's what have Shame. you done? Give me some results. <laughs> I just like to get Iser talking about, like, a, like we got to get Iser, why can't we got to get Iser to talk about the USA versus anything, right? Yeah. Like yeah. A, I mean, anything. it's so much more. It could be so much more than just motocross. He gets into it. He really, he really gets into it. I like it. Man, where's his, I, I, these colors really don't run when it comes to David Iser. I mean, no. he believes what he believes. There's no doubt about it. There, there is no flip-flopping for David Iser, no. is there? No, there is not. No, I love it. No. It's good. All right, well, again, thank, thank you. Weege. All right, boys, talk about Millsaps and Ezra. I'm not, I, I don't live in Georgia. I'm not an expert in, oh, wait, I live in North Carolina now. I should know that. Oh, yeah, you Damn, that's right. Oh, well, there you go. All right, go call Brady. Bye. Go call Braden. <laughs> no, hey, before we wrap this up, uh, yeah. I've been hard on Millsaps, uh, and I think rightfully so. Uh, the Honda guys don't have a, a, a really great t- thought about their experience with David Millsaps over the four years he rode there, five years. He, he's, he's, running, he's riding good. He's, yeah. he's been great the first three races of the season. Um, he's been working with Yogi. Now, I know Yogi pretty well, but you know Yogi really well. Um, how much do you think that has to do with it? You know, when I, uh, I was actually walking through the pits with Wygant at, at uh, Anaheim 1, and I hear Yogi call me over to the pit, uh, over to, the, to uh, JGR. I'm like, I said, what are you doing here? Yeah. And he said, I'm working with Millsaps. I had Millsaps on the show three days before that. <laughs> and the asshole never, never mentioned it because it was kind of behind the scenes. And I said to him, I said, well, you know, what's this all about? And he said, the thing that made the most sense because we kind of had a have a very familiar um, way through uh, off the track. I guess the family stuff. A uh-huh. lot of a lot of similarities about what they've gone through, and he thinks that that's one of the reasons he could bring a lot to uh, a lot to Millsaps because they, he has shared all the distractions off the track, which I think have been Davy's undoing. He was the phenom, sixteen years old, Suzu- uh, factory Suzuki. Um, I mean, had all the potential in the world. Right. Brock Brock Hepler beats him that year. Um, you know he he gets up shown by Brock out shown by by Brock Hepler um, and then he just never really gained that you know being that, that 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 next great thing coming up and his confidence took a hit he had a bunch of personal stuff he went through just complete turmoil with his mom um, you know he's, he's actually has his dad back in his life right now he you know issues with uh, with with his uh, personal life I mean. And he, and he lost part of an organ last year. <laughs> on top of on top of everything, <laughs> on top on, of all what, that, what you just let, you laid on for five minutes, and then yeah. at the end you say he lost an organ. <laughs> and I will say this: he is rumored to be the Milton Berle of motocross. So I'm not talking about that organ, <laughs> but uh, um, but yeah. So and I, I he was just on the show, you know, last week, and he he actually when he texted back, he says, "You only have me on when I do good. That's not right." 
And I said, you know, I said, you better be kidding, you asshole. I've had your back since, you know, you were on many bikes. But, but you know, he, he kind of feels that. He kind of has that complex where he knows that on any given weekend he's got the speed to do that, but, but he hasn't done it. Even yeah. Supercross, very inconsistent Supercross. Oh, it was year. a rough Supercross. There were, there were some – I was privy to some stuff. Mm-hmm. They – I mean, I don't want to say that he was close to getting fired, but yeah. I, I think it, it, the thought had entered the minds of JGR. He, yeah. He wasn't showing up with the trainer. Yep. Um, he wasn't working, and Yogi was frustrated. And I mean, I mean, to, to, to Davey saying you only have me on when you do well. Well, that is what happens in the media when you do well. The spotlight comes on you. That's sure. just normal. Sure. Um, nobody's talking to the dude who gets you know twelfth or thirteenth, uh, and and it's just the way it works. But right. anyways, um, I, I've been hard on him. I, now I've been praising him. He's been riding great. I know you haven't been at the, the Nationals yet, but he's been coming from the back. He's been lasting the whole moto. He caught and passed Reed this weekend. So my point is, does it take half a season before – because I, I think the world of Yogi. I really yeah. do. I don't know. I'm sure you do too. I think he's, yeah. a, he's, a, he's a stand-up guy, a hard worker, a family man, uh, a great person with, with good values and all that, and he's been through a lot. So does it, does it take half a season before Yogi can, can kick in, or is it just simply Davey being Davey and we're going to see him drop back down? Okay, what, what do you know about Colleen Millsaps, about MTF? Honestly, or off the record, or on the record? I'm just saying it's it's a it's a very intense environment. Would you agree that it is a it is a up and 100 percent regimented? You would w- know way more than I do. I just I've okay, heard some. I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm going to contrast right. that to Yogi. I'm just saying okay. that Davy, his whole life has been yelled at, screamed. I mean, he it's been that type of uh, of training, mm-hmm. that type of mentality. Yeah. So when he broke away from from mom and MTF, he floated for for two years. He yeah. floated in between, like right, I'm falling out from is that. He still had really good factory rides, still making uh, you know a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Then the results weren't there, and he's like, you know what? I, I got I got I have to get serious again. I, I have got to reinvent myself here, become a player. I thought factory Honda was going to be it for him. I really thought that was going to be you know his saving grace, and that was going to you know his, put him back uh, in the top five where he belongs. You know, week in and week out. Mm-hmm. You know that didn't work out. So when I heard he was working with Yogi, it's it's the exact exactly what he needs. Davey does not. He's almost. He almost rebels against that type of discipline where he he, he grew up. Right. That's why the JGR thing and all that stuff. I even asked him, "Dude, you know, how is that experiment working? Because it still is an experiment. Didn't work with Josh Grant. Um, I mean, there's other riders. Haney didn't work with. I mean, his riders have come and gone. That where that the West Coast does not work with JGR. It's and and Davey's an East Coast guy. He's a Georgia yeah. guy. I'm thinking this is going to be good. And Davey kind of hemmed and hauled, like you know what? It's it's still. You know, we're still working it out. We're still not sure, and and whether that that format, that model works in Supercross and Motocross, where you you have your rider coming there, living there, and all that stuff. There, there, it's going to be a very small pool of people that are willing to do that, family wise and everything else. So, for Yogi to be there, the motivation that Yogi brings is more of a of a Yoda. I, I uh-huh. said Yogi call him Yoda because it's more <laughs> of a of a very calm. Um, you know, even keel type of motivation as opposed to being yelled at. And I think that's exactly what Davey needs. Yeah. Well, it seems to be working, whatever the, whatever the case is, you know. You know, I had somebody uh, – I get several emails, a couple of days, and emails every show, and somebody sent me an email saying, the only reason that Millsap's doing good is his rides up this year. I heard that too. I've heard it too. Yeah. yeah. So, and I'm like, okay, fair argument because – you know, in the past, you've seen riders do that. I mean, on <laughs> on their contract years – you know, on a two or three year contract or a contract year, you know who was famous. Sudden, they're, they're, you know who was famous for that was Larry Ward. Was famous for yeah. that. <laughs> Super 
Bird, yes. The last thing you wanted to give Big Bird was multi-year deals. Because <laughs> he would just coast. Mm-hmm. He put that money in some CDs and let it roll over. Uh, well, I, I, actually, he might have put it in coffee cans because that was the rumor when you went to his backyard back in the day. Yeah. There was all these spots of dirt, and that's where he literally buried his off-season cash supercross start money. That is awesome. Yeah, but anyways. From, from Uncle Sam. Yeah, but anyways, uh, um, I don't yeah, buy so that. I, think that they, I don't that buy maybe, that. You know, Baby's like, you know what, this is – and I asked him, I said, do you want to stay there? He said yes, and they've been talking about it or whatever. Of course, it's you know months and months and months away. If he if he keeps making podiums, and then they might they might reconsider that. But um, you know, it, it's a fair argument. You you can't not look at his career and say, okay, you know, he's he he realizes he has to right. perform this outdoors because mm-hmm. Supercross didn't work out. Well, one thing I think about when I think of Millsaps, and I, and I I did a podcast with Bradshaw uh, a couple years ago now, and he told me you know um, after he lost the Supercross season, the Supercross title that year ninety two, he tore up his knee, and he was gone for the summer. And all of a sudden, for the first time in his life, he was on the boat. He was exhaling. Uh, uh, he was he was he had money. He was hanging out. He was like, wow, this is what like normal people do. Um, yeah. He was recovering from his knee surgery. And he said he kind of lost the fire. And I, and I, I think you're right about Davey. He got away from his mom. Mm-hmm. He had money. And he was like, wow, look at this. I got a chick. I can go to the movies on the weekend. I can do, you know yeah. what I mean? Like I can live a life. Wow. You know? So and he's and he's fighting the he he's fighting the McGrath fat gene too. Davy's Davy is not a a naturally slender person. He mm-hmm. has got to work out to stay. I mean, you see Big Davy, but his dad is a big boy, um, and Davy's not one of those ones that can that can um, um, not work out. Right, to stay in right, shape. right. Um, what else? What else, uh, Iser? Uh, how's the show going? How, how's it? You still everything good? DMXS Radio yeah. Wednesday yeah, nights. We're, yeah, we're still uh, we're still having fun. Um, I think we. I think that uh, you know, the tenth year here to, to keep things you know fun is is we're going more back towards the the, the light side of the sport, um, just kind of just more of a goofy side as opposed to the, the the hard hitting stuff. Because to be honest with you, it's just like you know I, I saw a newspaper the other day sitting there you know two days. I'm like who who even, who even reads that anymore because of how right. instantaneous information is. And right. our show is on Wednesday, so. Depending on Supercross and Motocross, we're two or three days old before it gets there, and if it's the race before, we're two or three days before the the, the event happens. So, um, I mean, to be topical, it, it's kind of you know we'd be naive to think that we're you know we're, we're going to be breaking any news that hasn't been rehashed forty seven times by that. But when it comes around Wednesday, so we're right. we're, we're just kind of going back to our roots and and, uh, and and trying to have a little more fun. Oh yeah, and how's the uh, how's the phone messages thing working out? It is good. I've got. I need to send you some of these files. You would not believe some of the shit these people call in and say. <laughs> I mean, some of the most perverted, perverted, weird, sick. I mean, I'm thinking you better be joking. I mean, it's like, hey, man, I'm, I just killed my girlfriend, and uh, I'm trying to decide how many pieces to cut her up in. Um, and I need the barrier. And you guys have any tips on how to get rid of? Uh, I mean, just just weird stuff. I'm like. I'm supposed to play that back on the show. I mean, that's awesome. I, I, I can just imagine Dateline NBC showing up, going, "We're doing a show, and we hear you have one of the messages of the, of the guy that killed twelve uh, prostitutes in Albany." <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, yeah, that's he's good. a District Seven guy. He's a motocrosser. I might, I might have that message. Yeah, for you're you. like, wait a minute. I think I might have something. <laughs> um, that's funny. That's good. Yeah, Wednesday nights, eight o'clock, DMXS, DMXS yeah. Radio, um, eight o'clock Eastern Time. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, People can check it out. Right on, man. Well, Faith, thanks for uh, thanks for doing this. 
Appreciate well, it. Well, hey, and, and thank you for getting Wygant to uh, – you see how busy he was, how he gave us some time. I, I appreciate oh, how you, you, tell you what. drug that out of Do me. you think he had any idea what show he was doing? Like, did he think it was DMXS? Perhaps he thought it was a Racer X podcast. Maybe he thought it was Pulp MX. That guy he, probably doesn't even know. He probably just hung up and told his wife, I just got punked by Mathis. I thought I was doing something serious. Eisers on the phone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is going nowhere. That was a waste <laughs> of 30 minutes of my life. Good people, that Jason Wygant. But uh, yeah, a, a even better person is David Iser. So, uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, good right, well, tonight uh, we, we have a friendly $1 bet on the, on the game tonight. I'm taking yeah. the Bruins, uh, USA, and you've got, you got your Canucks, so we'll see where, where we go. What, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll sign it, and you can frame it for your studio, oh, and I'll, like I'll frame your dollar and put it in mine. I like it. When, uh, when will we see you next? Uh, Southwick. Southwick. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Sweet. I actually might, I might sneak up to Bud's, uh, Bud's this week, and I haven't, I haven't made a, a, a determination yet, but I've, I'm going to probably make it uh, at least uh, six races, so I'm going to start traveling uh, you know, in the next few weeks. Start coming out. Right on. Cool. Can't wait. Thanks, well, Isaac. Thanks, Mathis. We'll talk to you soon, brother. Thanks. Bye. Peace.